This is a Lawful Stupid RPG production. Hail and well met, and welcome to Echoes of Kryn, Dragons of the Hidden Flood, an actual play podcast of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons set in the world of Dragonlance and presented by Lawful Stupid RPG. I'm Medium, and on behalf of our cast and crew, thank you so much for the wonderful support you've shown us. We're constantly amazed at the passionate feedback we've received, and it is greatly appreciated. Many of our listeners have asked about longer episodes, and while at the moment we don't have the capability of editing entire games for regular broadcast, for the next few uploads we've created compilations of past episodes, organizing them by recording sessions. If you've been with us from the beginning, you're not likely to hear very much that you haven't already, but we hope you'll enjoy our adventure just as much the second time around. If you're a new subscriber, welcome! And for everyone, we hope you have as much fun listening to our games as we had playing them. Don't worry. We're in the process of editing new episodes, and they are coming soon. If you think we do a good job and would like to buy the cast and crew a cup of coffee to show your thanks, we're more than happy to take you up on it. Head over to coffee.com, that's www.ko-fi.com slash lawfulstupidrpg to show your support. Now, I invite you all to step with me into fantasy, and for our time together, let imagination rule. Hear now of the birth of Gwynedd. An ancient power torn and ripped asunder. Was Urgoth cursed and blighted for its pride? A night of horror born from fiery thunder as wrathful gods ignited fury's tide. With endless quake and rushing doom for all, the land was swallowed, drowning every breath. When gods forsake all mercy, nations fall, and trumpets call the cavalcade of death. But as the heavens fell and oceans rose, young Gauthus, noble emperor, did pray. The fearsome quarrel which his father chose, his son had spurned, so false peace found its way. Atop his breaking palace, he cried out, O beauty's crown, O shining city fair, behold the noble tears that pawn thee fall. My folly here for history laid bare, the king-priest held me deep within his thrall. Of mercy for myself I do not weep, and punished I must be for all my sins, but turn aside the rising ocean deep, and spare my people. Hear me, dread heavens. Thus did young Gauthus fiercely call to fate and cast himself into the darksome waves. A royal sacrifice with passion great to spare his people from their looming graves. For though Inferno tore the land apart and suffering was born throughout the world, the blow that fell upon Tuscanville's heart destroyed it not. It stands with flags unfurled. And in the name of Gauthus brave and strong will Urgoth find the winds which fortune bring. The world no more shall hear Tuscanville's song. It is of Gwynedd now that we shall sing.
The flames of war have dimmed, and the rivers of blood have slowed to a trickle. Thanks to the unified people of Kryn, the evil goddess Takisis has been rebuked and her plans of conquest brought to ruin. The remnants of the Dragon Queen's armies have been scattered, dangerous though they remain. But that is just one of many new realities that face the world in the wake of what is now being called the War of the Lance. The most astonishing change is the return of the true gods, proclaimed loudly by some and whispered furtively by others, a hope and a doubt that thrums within every soul on Kryn. And while the war has left its blighted mark upon the lands of Solemnia and Abenazia, there are parts of Ancelon where cities stand unblemished, peoples who have been spared displacement, life that has gone on uninterrupted. Places such as northern Urgoth and the imperial city of Gwynedd, but though the war never penetrated beyond the city's walls, there is plenty of violence to be found day or night within the city of Banners. There's a smack of flesh against flesh, and Manto, you reel back from the blow of the mighty man standing in front of you. There is a roar and a from the crowd that watches this fight as you stumble down to one knee in the sand before rising back to your full height. The man before you is easily six foot six, rippling with muscle. His chest hair is grown gray, and he wears upon his head a massive helmet with two horns that look like they might have been taken, perhaps ripped off of a dead minotaur. He's known as the Ruddy Wrecker, so named because of the large birthmark he has on his shoulders, visible as he fights shirtless and armorless. And this birthmark he has enhanced with blood-red tattoos that create sort of a mantle around his neck. He stands in front of you, his large fists covered with spiked gauntlets as he does a pose for the crowd, bringing his arms up and flexing and roaring at them as they roar back at him. And he cocks his head and looks at you, preparing for your retaliation. What do you do? I look at him directly in his eyes. I'm presuming I'm looking up at him to do this. Yes, he's quite tall. I will give you one chance to walk away. If not, it is on you what happens next. Uh, um. He looks around and he looks over to the side and he can see there standing uh, Tegan, the, uh, the dwarf that owns this establishment, nods and gives him a sort of a head shake to sort of get at it, a chin gesture to, to go in. And he looks back at you and says, I'm staying here. Right, right, Manto. Very well. And I will then, I mean, I already have my sword and shield in my hands, uh, which is my normal attire for these types of, of battles. And you see as I nimbly 
jump towards him and then do this very tight roll. And the next thing you know, I have swiped my sword out right at his Achilles heel. All right, uh, roll an attack, please. That is going to be an 18 to hit. Well, that is a hit. Please roll your damage. 11 points of damage. Wow, that's a tremendous blow. So you indeed roll around him as he comes towards you, lurching to grab you and try and squeeze you in a large bear hug. And you swipe at the back of his leg with your sword. There's a loud crack as you hit him. The sword being blunted as to avoid doing any permanent damage here at the bruise mine. So named because it's bruises not blood. The ruddy wrecker falls down to one knee before struggling up, and he looks at you with a somewhat hurt expression in the eyes behind the helmet. He says, Panto, I told you not the feet. I still haven't healed from the last time. Ah, he stumbles over, stumbles away. I had to make it look convincing. Ah, right. You are much bigger than I. Just give me a second, do some posing. Rather than posing, I am instead going to like, again, nimbly jumping around, doing some almost kata-like sword movements, moving it faster than you would think would be possible for someone of my size. The crowd loves it. They cheer. Manto, Manto, the Grey Knight, the Grey Knight, Manto. While this is happening, Blip, you're just off the circle of action in the shadows of this arena lit by torches at regularly spaced intervals but you're on the outskirts looking on preparing for your turn to come in and you feel a a, a tap on your shoulder what you want and I turn slowly (laughs) you turn and you see one of your fellow gully dwarves, Farb, standing there. Farb looks as if he is, his face is a loaf of bread that somebody has taken a dull knife and pushed right down in the middle of it. He has a cleft chin, a cleft nose, and there is a line between his brows that is very deep. So it looks like he just has a line right down his face. His eyes are a little too close together and he blinks at you and he says, I talk to Slope, and we decide you're not Highbolt no more. And you look behind him, and you can see Slope standing there. He has a very large, almost purplish red nose, eyes that are very bright, looking out underneath an extremely bushy eyebrow that sticks about three inches off to the side of either side of his head, and a beard that looks like he has been struck by lightning. It's so extended below his chin. And as he hears Farb say this, he looks at you and says, Yeah! Farb says, He said, I say he's Fahabob, then we get to eat your dinner. And Slope looks around brightly, darting furtively back and forth, looking at the shadows, and looks at you and says, Yeah! I stand there and stare at them. 
just complete and utter disbelief. And I slowly cross my arms. You challenge, high bolt blip, you die. You won't fight? You don't kill me. Can't be high bolt with just two. I high bolt. High bolt of dinner, high bolt of manto, high bolt of everything. I high bolt. Far looks at you, raises an eyebrow. Roll an intimidation check, Blip. I certainly will. As there's another cheer from the crowd as Manto and the Ruddy Wrecker clash again. <sighs> Just stay down! Ever! The Ruddy Wrecker is invincible! Ah! Oh! Ah! God's above! Ah! That is a 14. 14. And Farb licks his lips and steps back a little and says, You high bulb of everything. He looks over at Slope and Slope goes, Yeah! Wait, is Blip high bulb or you high bulb? Slope says, Yeah! At this point, I start to get angry. As I start to tense, you can see my muscles start to bulge with anger. And I reach behind my back slowly and I grasp my bone slit, my bone warhammer and bring it around. Tell me about this bone warhammer, Blip. (laughs) It is taller than I am. Uh, which is not much considering I'm only about three and a half feet tall. It is as big around as my arms. It is covered. It's a thigh bone or femur. It's covered in mud, blood, dirty and cracked with a very large end on it that I have wrapped some rope around. As this appears, Farb looks at it, looks at you. Oh, I forgot you had that. I'm sorry. You, you high bulb blip. Right, 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 right slope. Slope looks his eyes looking around just with bright expression, just kind of like he's really excited to be here in the room and part of the conversation. He goes, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll stand over here now. I spit and turn and walk away. I knew I hot bulb. Dumb sex. And I'll lean over the edge and continue to watch the fight. As we return to the fight, the ruddy wrecker is beginning to sweat a bit and he sort of sets himself and you can see he's getting ready for uh, the final clash probably when you're going to take him down although you could tell he's might be saving a little bit of something left he's playing into the wound on his foot a little bit more than you think he he needs to he comes at you with an attack swings his massive spike gauntlet 
straight at your head before trying to jab you in the stomach with a quick jab. He has rolled a 13. That is a miss. All right, you deftly avoid it. He's off balance, his shoulder towards you, and his weight upon the foot that you already struck. As I dive out of the way from that attack, I then run behind him, and with my shield, I simply bash him in the back of the head, having to jump up a little bit because he is taller than me to try and knock him out, at least. Excellent. All right, roll your attack. Uh, 16 to hit. That's a hit, Manto. Roll your damage. So this is shield bash damage. How how does that factor in? Since it, I technically am not shield bashing as the... Act, you know what I'm saying? Should I use... Roll an unarmed strike. Four. That is enough, uh, thanks to the incredible damage you did on your first blow. As you strike him in the back of the head, the helmet goes flying off, revealing a pathetic attempt at a mohawk and graying red hair. He stumbles and staggers for a little bit, looks at you, and you can see his eyes watering a little bit as he grins and goes cross-eyed. That was a nice one, Manto. He falls face forward down into the sand and doesn't move. There's a huge roar of delight from the crowd and applause as everyone gives you their accolades as the winner of this match. And I will put my foot on his chest and I look up at the crowd raising my, my shield and sword. Thank you! The undefeated champion! And I look over to the side of the ring, trying to spot Blip if I can see her to give her a little wink. Yes, she is watching, of course, and you know exactly where she is. So you can see her, although the rest of the crowd probably wouldn't notice her in the, uh, in the chaos. Yes. As the match finishes, the... Uh, patron of this place, the owner and proprietor, Dregan Colswain, a dwarf with uh, almost orange skin. Somehow the tan that he has gotten here in Urgoth has, has not gone brown and hasn't gone red. It's gone orange. It's an unfortunate color upon him. And his face seems to be more scar than flesh. He has uh, scars on his face so much that his beard only comes out in patches, tufts of uh, red hair, which doesn't actually help the orange complexion. But he has a large grin on his face, and he comes forward, puts his hands up in the air, and shouts over the crowd, Thank you! Thank you! Uh, The Bump Mine is very pleased to take your patronage. We hope you've enjoyed tonight's bout, and our new champion... The Grey Knight looks forward to entertaining you on subsequent visits. And there's another large cheer. And uh, you see um, a flash of disgust briefly cross my face as I then turn up to the crowd and smile again. 
No! A little bit of uh, special entertainment. Grimers! And he claps his hands, and uh, you know, Blip, that that is your signal. I get excited and hop up and down and rub my hands together. Chunks of mud and dirt and who knows what else falling off of my hands. I put my fingers to my mouth and give a sharp whistle to my trusty steed. You see a large warthog come bounding around the corner and leaping out onto the sand. It does a couple of spins and kicks its hind legs in uh, up into the air and then sits down looking at you with a cocked head and one ear flopped over. You, you see it. You see it. <laughs> no. No mo. You stop. And I slowly walk over, giving him a, a nasty little glare, and swing myself up and dig both my heels into his side. Let's go. We clean. All right. So around the arena, you begin to ride. Farb and Slope come afterwards. And as you do, trash does begin to rain down. This is a normal occurrence as people test their aim with the various rem remnants of food and drink that they have, trying to uh, hit the grimers as they move around. But it is where you get most of your treasures and food. And of course, dinner loves it. Um, finds an apple core and chews on it as you begin to move around, uh, sort of resorting the sand, covering up bloodstains. You go over to the unconscious form of uh, the ruddy wrecker. I'll lean over with my bone club and sort of poke him roughly with it. Mm. <laughs> he got you. <laughs> you big ouchie. <laughs> I'll give him a little bonk on the head. I'll reach down and grab a, the edge of his shirt. He's not wearing a shirt, actually. He's uh, you could get a you could get a nice big tuft of his chest hair. He's got quite a oh, bit gross. of it. Oh, gross! I do that because if uh, <laughs> any of that chest hair comes out, I'm actually going to pocket it and then reach back down and grab again. All right, make a strength check. Actually, an athletics check, please, as uh, the Ray Wrecker is rather large. That is a 23. Well, that is more than enough, as even though you are small, you are mighty. You set yourselves, you set yourself on the sand, you reach down, grab the hair, and begin to signal dinner that he should back up. And he backs up, and foot by foot, you drag the unconscious form of the ruddy wrecker off of the sand as the crowd laughs and jeers. Suddenly, a cry rings out. This is boring. Trigan, there is not enough blood on the sand to call this combat. Dwarf looks up in the, the crowd and slowly begins to grow silent as all attention turns to dark-skinned individual. He's wearing a blood-red toga that is 
folded over his arm. He's wearing a dagger at his side, his dark hair that is pulled into very tight braids that then form a ponytail at the nape of his neck. Um, he has a cruel expression on his face and a very elaborate blue whorl that is tattooed onto his face, starting in the middle of his forehead, going around the side and ending at the bottom of his chin. He stands up, fully aware that all attention is on him. When are we going to be able to see some real combat, Trigon? The dwarf licks his lips and... Ahem. My lord, here at the Bum Mine, we enjoy the ability to present the same combat fighters on a regular basis. The, the people get to know them, and that is not what I am interested in seeing. I have money, Trigon. Perhaps it is enough to afford some blood. And he throws down a leather satchel that lands at the feet of Tregan, who picks it up and shakes it. Looks back towards you, Manto. And he eyes the money and then subtly nods her head. But also, after nodding her head, she looks as though she's panning the audience but she looks over towards where Blip is and gives her kind of this knowing look as she scans around the arena. What are you looking for? I don't know how much I should say out loud, but per our conversation previously about things that Blip sometimes does when I am in the arena. Hmm. Things that you, uh, gotcha. Uh, make a <laughs> perception check. Okay. Uh, just... Uh, 11. Well, you know where okay. Blip usually puts things? You can't quite make them out, uh, but there's a good chance there's something there. Uh, a slight rise in the sand, um, a spot about uh, 20 feet from where you're currently standing. Walking down the bleachers in this arena comes this man. You can see he has a little bit of an entourage, some young women wearing uh, very elaborate palas that are draped across their shoulders and then cinched tightly around the knees. They have long, dangly earrings and beads and gems around their necks. As he swaggers down, he stumbles a little bit. You can see that he is perhaps not 100% um, <laughs> sober. And he comes down and gets to the edge of the arena and then jumps down, removes his toga, casts it aside, dropping it on the sand, and pulls out a dagger, which gleams in the torchlight. Sort of looks at you with a raised eyebrow, and Tregan comes over to you and says, 
All right, now be careful, lad. This could be a problem. If you play it smart, you might get a few new scars. But it will be a pretty penny for both of us. Try to make him look competent, at least. You understand me? I will do my best. Not the kind of fight that you want to win. So wait, you're telling me not to win? It could be complicated if you do. You know how these lot are. Hmm. But it would firmly establish you as patron of the greatest fighters in the area, or I too win. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Just stay alive. That I can do. And he backs off and bows to the man who comes forward and says, So, Grey Knight, are you ready to cross blades? I am ready, if you are. I may not have a house behind my name, but... You will soon see that my skill with a blade is all that I need. He holds his dagger, tosses it into his other hand, and takes a fighting stance and gives you a nod. Roll an attack. That is probably a miss. That is a 10. You have indeed missed, as he, despite being drunk, skips nimbly out of your reach. And it's at this moment that you look down and realize that you are fighting with a blunted blade. As you did not change weapons from the fight with the ruddy wrecker. I did not. As he jumps out of the way, you can see that his dagger is not blunted, and he leaps at you. Am I able to use my movement before he throws his attack or no? You have missed him, so you are able to then move if you wish. Yes, so seeing that I have missed him, seeing my blunted blade, I would like to move as quickly as I can. I'm assuming there is a weapons rack of some sort. There is? Yes, I would like to try and run towards one of them to get a sharper weapon. All right, it is 25 feet away, okay. so you're able to get there with your 30 feet of movement. You skid to a stop, the sand splattering in all directions. You have a bonus action, but you do not have the action or the movement economy it would need. You would need to, you can definitely drop the weapon you have, but to getting one off of the rack is going to take your next turn. That's fine. I will drop the, uh, well, I will, yes, I will dr bonus action drop it, but I've still got my shield in front of me. So, yes. Okay, so Elatu comes running at you and tries to swipe at you with his dagger, going directly for your liver, but he has rolled a 13. That is a miss. All right. So he used his movement to keep up with you. He has used his action to attack, and then he moves back, waiting for your next move. What do you do? So is it a bonus action to pick up a weapon or an action? It's just a part of your movement. Great. So I will then look quickly for what seems to be uh, the sharpest looking blade and I will indeed pick that up and I will 
Seeing that he's slightly off balance from having missed me and also from being slightly drunk, I am going to use that as my advantage and I will try to swipe, hit him, but also keep him off his balance. Okay. And that is a much better roll. That is a 21. Well, that is a hit. Roll your damage. Uh, this is still a bit blunted. All the weapons on this rack are blunted, but this one is far more sharp than the one you were that using. That is so. fine. I am also going to, since that was a hit, I am going to expend a superiority die uh, to turn this into a trip attack, if I can. Ah. So I am going to roll damage first. So that is 13 points of damage. And then... Yes. You have created a very large red cut on his thigh. Mm -hmm. And then I will need you to make a strength save. Strength save. That is a seven. That is a fail. You are now prone. So as your blade comes and whacks into his leg, it nearly moves him perpendicular to the ground as he just falls prone right in front of you. And there is a from the audience, which is then quickly stifled as this has gotten very dangerous. And the people of Gwynedd do like their fight, their blood and their violence, but one must not take too much pleasure in the attacks made on the patricians of the city. And I yell at him as he is prone. Do you yield? He jumps up at you, um, standing up from prone, and attacks. Ooh, I have a 16 to hit with this roll. That is a miss. Miss! Excellent. So, Stagger comes up and nearly clips you. He's going for the kill. He is trying to get you right on your jugular vein, but you're able to lift your shield up and it goes above your head as you duck below his blow. I would also like to, with my reaction, repost. Okay, go for it. Great. Uh, 18 to hit. That is a hit. Roll damage. Nine points of damage. All right, take a little off of that because of the blunted blade, but you strike him. Uh, Where do you hit him and how? As he is lunging at me, with the dagger going towards my liver, like you said. Uh, Because I am shorter than him, I am able to duck under his arm and uh, slice right across his stomach. All right, another very painful slice that goes right across his navel and he doubles over and takes a few stumbling steps back. And then I yell again, do you yield? I don't have time to waste on this sort of idiocy anymore. (laughs) He stumbles a little bit and tries to stand up straight, but has to double over a bit in pain and begins to walk away from the fight. And there is a murmur in the crowd. Doesn't quite get to cheers, but it is... uh, People are clearly impressed by what they've just seen. Um, and I will then once again turn to the crowd and raise my sword and my shield and then 
look over and yell, It is time to pay your price! Knowing that she is now afforded a large, large bag of coin. Well, indeed. Her, her uh, uh, overseer is, but she obviously knows she gets Trigan has the bag of coins and he's just grinning. You can see all three of his teeth. Um, and he's just shaking it and nodding at you with glee. As Elatu is moving, all of a sudden his foot sinks into the ground up to his knee, and he cries out in pain as he trods right upon one of the little gifts that uh, Blip has left for him. I laugh uproariously. There is a bit of a giggle from the crowd as well as he swears, comes to his feet and looks around furiously. The crowd begins to silence and he looks over at you, still laughing. He throws the dagger right at you, Blip. I laugh so hard I fall off of dinner and land with a thud on the ground and a whoosh of dust around me. He has rolled a 17. That'll, that'll hit me. All right. So the dagger sticks right into your arm. Um, you have taken uh, four points of piercing damage. How far away is he from me? About 20 feet. Upon seeing him attack Blip, uh, you see her face is overcome with look of just sheer rage. And she runs at him from behind, sword out, going to stab in the back. All right. Go ahead and make your attack. A dirty 20. (laughs) That's a hit. Roll your damage. 10 points of damage. All right, you drive the sword into his back. You manage to put it right where his spine is and it slides to the side. It's being blunt enough to uh, not completely pierce all the way in, but it does open up a large wound and he gasps in pain and falls unconscious to the side as his bodyguards jump down into the group, into the sand with him. Two men wearing armor scale mail armor and the crest of the Imperial Guard. They come forward and point at you. You there! You are under arrest for striking an unarmed man! It is not my fault he threw his weapon. He attacked someone who is not a combatant. Therefore, he should be arrested for violating the rules of the arena. They put their spears down in front of you, advancing on you, and they say, Lower your weapons or be killed. I look over at Tregan like, are you going to do something about this? This is your arena. He uh, avoids your gaze, looking to the side and uh, backing away and shakes his head, shrugs. Do I know who is the person who has the authority to tell these guards what to do? I mean, obviously it is not Tregan since he is backing away. Honestly, it would probably be the person you just struck. Oh, great. Awesome. Okay, cool. Not worried about offending them at all. Uh, I am not going to drop my sword and shield. 
I am instead going to take a very imposing defensive stance and look at them. You saw what I did to your master. Are you sure you want to try? They look at each other and then back at you. Make an intimidation check. Yes. Okay. Uh, that is a... Eh, 12. They look back at you. They seem unimpressed, but they also don't seem to be advancing. Blip, what are you doing? I am laying on the ground, writhing in tears. But as I see them advance towards Manto, I will get up and yank the dagger out of my arm and shakily brandish it in front of me and sniveling. (laughs) You, you stop. I help. That friend. Oh my goodness. All right. (laughs) There's a bit of a standoff here as these two bodyguards who look a bit like guards, um, just the guards of Gwynedd, but they, they have a braided coil of rope around their uh, right arm. And you can see they have a bit more detail to their tattoos on the rest of their face, but on the main part of their face, they have the same circular tattoo whorls going from the forehead to the chin. And they stand there looking at you and looking at each other. And it's at that point you begin to hear the sound of armored boots approaching from outside the bump mine. And I will look at them. Leave now or be dragged out. (laughs) All right. Uh, Make another intimidation check. Okay. Note to self, boost charisma next time. (laughs) Uh, That is going to be... 14? 14. They take a step back, but they look at each other. Based on your previous failure, the DC has gone up and they are not moved. And at that moment, a group of about a dozen soldiers, not uh, not the bodyguards, but actual soldiers of Gwynedd, the Ducarians, um, come in and at their front is a man wearing a red toga, very similar to the one that Elatu uh, put away. And he comes in and says, I am Daxon Elatu. Where is my son? Looks down at the unconscious form in front of you and looks up. Is he alive? Oh, yes. It is merely his ego that has been harmed. And perhaps a few scratches here and there. And for that, you will spend this night in prison. Very well. I have already proved all that I need to prove. Your son. You should really consider if he is the one to live on with your legacy. Please keep talking. There are many more nights that you could spend in prison. No, no, you... (laughs) And Blip will begin to, or I'll begin to cry. Just sobbing and little snot bubbles will... As I sob even harder, my little dagger is shaking. 
that that f- f- friend you you know fine your patier can spend the night in prison with you huh and he makes a, a abrupt gesture with his head and the soldiers come forward and disarm you and arrest you and they grab you also blip i scream dinner <laughs> i scream <laughs> dinner comes <laughs> And attacks. Um, looks like the guard is about to kill dinner. <gasps> no! And I start to scream even louder, and my uh, muscles start to bulge, and you can see my blood vessel pumping in right behind my eye. And I'm just, <clears throat> I start to get so angry, and I just fart, and I lean down and bite into his arm as hard as I can to try to make them let go. <laughs> make an attack roll. And while she does that, <laughs> I am, mm-hmm. if you want to do this, I am going to look up to the the masses that are in the audience and uh, we'll be saying something. What was your role there, Blip? A 13. 13. You're not able to get through the armored gauntlet of this guard, but he looks down at you and he looks at the uh, pig and looks at the lord who sat there and just sort of rolls his eyes, looks at you, Manto. What are you doing with the crowd? So I am going to look up at the crowd. Is this how you would have your champions be treated? Are you willing to let the lords of this land buy their way out of their shame? You know that I come here with honor. This is no honor. Interesting. Make a persuasion check, please. Oh, that's much better. Thank you. 18. A very strong role and a very compelling argument. However, the deep-seated traditions of Gwynedd are very stubborn. Everyone in Gwynedd knows their place, and sedition is hardly ever spoken aloud. And the room goes deftly quiet. Daxenalatu steps forward and says, Interesting. I have a vested interest in seeing that this little event does not garner too much attention. As such... I think I am inclined to be a bit hard of hearing this evening. But you should know and respect and stay in your place. I will give a kind of a half bow, like enough to be courteous, but not enough to show full reverence. Bring the pig, both of them. The guards gather up Blip and begin to beat Dinner as Dinner squeals along its path as the group of you leave the bump mine. And as you do, Blip, you look over and you can see Farb, who looks over at Slope and says, I have about now. And Farb goes, Yeah. I, I have about. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) As you step out into the night, 
and then across the cobblestones, being led to a dungeon somewhere in Gwynedd. The day dawns bright, and the sound of seagulls is a comforting one. Lhasa and Anwir, this journey by sea that was supposed to take just a few days has been extended quite a bit by the incredibly violent weather that you have endured. Three sailors lost their lives. The ship is in tatters, but still seaworthy as you make your way into the port of Gwynedd. The city of Gwynedd is built upon two high bluffs that overlook the Syrian Sea. There's a river that cuts a steep ravine between them. It's the Denault River. It forms a natural harbor, which separates the port and the mercantile district on the southern bluff from the more affluent and imperial district to the north. If you were to look at this particular area on a map, it would look rather like a, the beak of a bird of prey or perhaps a crab's claw. This is the northern section of the city comes around and curves down a bit and then the lower section is sort of tucked into it with the river and the port making the line in between the two. As you approach it, coming from the south, you can see the upper bluff above the lower bluff spreading out almost like a father or a parent reaching out to envelop their child or as a bird of prey coming to swoop down upon its food. There are brightly colored flags and banners flapping in the wind from nearly every structure over the size of two stories. As your ship moves into the harbor, the two bluffs rise up on either side of you. Between the two, going across the port and across the river, are numerous rope bridges, and in some cases just netting, much as you would see on a ship. It's like a spider web of rope and passages made by flimsy and swinging bridges. You also see a few that are a bit more permanent. And in the back, right where the two parts of the bluff come together to meet the rest of the land, you can see a waterfall as the Denault River cascades down many hundreds of feet into the port in front of you. It is a place of stunning beauty. I, I never expected to see something as glorious as this. They always adorn it with such bright colors. It is my first time here as well, Lhasa. It is an architectural marvel, but I do recommend you quell your excitement, friend. Staring upwards in the city will signify to others that you aren't native here. You invite thieves and pickpockets. Keep your head low and your eyes forward. We have a job to do. There will be time to take in your surroundings soon enough. 
The bright eyes and smile slowly fall as I turn and face on Weir. You, you are right, of course. I should be much more careful. You, you've said that several times now, and I suppose I'm still struggling to come to grasp with it. But we do have a job to do. But there'll be time, I hope, to look at all these things later. I will reach forward and put a comforting arm on your shoulder. You are right, Lhasa. It is beautiful. As ship moves into the port and finds its berth, there is a strong smell of fish that washes over you. As you can see, numerous piers covered with them, nets being unfurled and uh, fish spreading out all over docks and being packed into crates and carried off by porters in all directions. The gangplank is lowered and various people begin to come and go, unloading and inquiring various things. Looking around, you can see most of the people here in Gwynedd are of dark skin. And indeed, that would be completely expected of the people of Urgoth. If I may DM, I would like to make a perception check to keep an eye out for customs that are specific to this region, how people greet each other, the way they address each other, gestures, that sort of thing. Interesting. I'll make a perception check, please. <laughs> a good start. A good start. That would be a one for a total of an eight. There's a lot of activity going on here. Um, you're still shaken from the storm. And as you step off of the boat, there is a bit of dizziness that comes over you as your legs have not quite gotten used. Just when you thought they'd gotten used to being on a boat, now they're not used to being off of a boat. It is an unfortunate side effect of having been upon the ship for so long. But as you stumble, a hand reaches out and steadies you. You didn't even know he was there, but the tall form of Aranathis, Lassa's master, is standing right behind you and gives you a slight nudge, pushing you upright again. I will look up at him gratefully and give him a small nod. I must confess, I was not expecting this smell of fish to be so strong. With a um, quick stutter and a, a deep bow. Oh, I uh, had not expected to see you out so soon. And uh, the, the smell, it's a uh, lovely reminder of home, don't you think? Hmm. I suppose. Lhasa, I would speak with you alone for a moment. Yes, of, of course. While we have this opportunity, would you be so kind as to describe Lhasa? Yes, he is um, clothed in a light green robe with white trim around the outside, a bushy set of uh, mutton chops and a thick mustache of bright red wreath his face. 
and gleaming eyes like emeralds peer out from underneath the hood, which is raised high to hide his half-elven features. Aranathis wears a white robe. He is about an inch taller than you. He has long, very straight, white blonde hair and a balding pate. A man who would perhaps be considered wizened were he not full-blooded elf. As it is, the only age you can see is in and around his eyes. His skin is utterly smooth and quite fair. He has long, tapered fingers, and he holds a staff that glows with a inner power that is not usually perceptible in the full light of day, but if he ever stands in a shadow or in um, the night, you can see it is glows with a yellow light. He looks at you and says, It has come to my attention that you and Anwer have become aware of one of the reasons why we are here. One that was perhaps not known to you prior to setting out. Uh, Yes, I I must admit, uh, it it did not go unnoticed by myself or or Anwer. Thank you for your candor. And I will trust your judgment as far as Anwir is concerned. I must travel immediately to the Imperial Palace, carrying these items with me. I will go with the luggage and the rest of our belongings. I think it might be best for you to travel a more circuitous route, explore the city as best you can, and learn from what you see. Ask questions. Find answers. He closes his eyes and furrows his brow for a moment and says, There will be a presentation to the Emperor this afternoon, and then... Ah, entertainment in the evening. So don't take too long. As I um, turn to face him more, looking upward instead of stooping and bowing my head as I had been, the face starts to open up and smile broadly. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, of course. Um, we we wouldn't be late. And, and thank you for the opportunity I I need to understand them I need to I will be very curious to hear what your first impressions of a human city are <laughs> well if, if they're anything like Anwar has been I, I think we'll get along very well hmm we shall see. And he very calmly turns and moves towards a palanquin that has been prepared for him, along with several other large carts containing all of your belongings. Um, Anwir, you look over and see that yours have been included. 
Would you take this opportunity to describe yourself, Enmir? I look tired. I walk with my shoulders. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anwir walks with his his shoulders slumps forward and his uh, his head down. His dark straight hair is carelessly brushed forward in an attempt to obscure his facial features, and his dark beard is bristly, probably extending just a bit beyond stubble. But if you were to look at him up close, you would see deep-set eyes marked with dark circles and brows that are often furrowed in concentration. And if you looked really closely, you'd see a spark of life, a a spark of defiance in his indigo-colored eyes. He wears black combat leathers and a black paludamentum cape, a half cape, over his left shoulder. His bow is attached to his back with a small metal clamp protruding from his right shoulder and a quiver of arrows hangs alongside it. And if a stiff breeze were to blow the cape upwards, you would see what it is that he's attempting to hide. His left arm is missing from the mid-bicep down. Your belongings have been added to the cart that seems to be going up to the Imperial Palace along with Lhasa's master. It appears Aranathus thinks that I'm going to be traveling with you for quite some time. Then it would seem he has seen something that, that we have yet to see ourselves. And Honestly, I was hoping you would join us. I have nowhere else to be, Lhasa. Yes, I, I, I do recall, but I would never presume. I just... Someone like you could show me so much more. I don't even know where to begin. He's he's given us leave to take our time about the city. Although there will be entertainment later. Take a deep breath, Lhasa. The city is yours to explore. I will go with you. I'll let you lead the way. If, 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 if you really think that's best, I, I can't turn down the opportunity. It's... Where do we go first? I uh, uh, Perhaps I can be of assistance with that particular question. And you see, stepping forward, a man about mid-twenties, wearing scale mail armor. He has a helmet in his hand with a large blue chevron on the top. And he's wearing a short kilt and booted sandals that come up to mid-thigh. He has a short sword at his side dark skin and across his face you see swirls, designs, some dots, some geometric patterns, all done in a yellow ink. He has very short hair. It's black and has been cut very close to his head to the point that he's almost been shaved. And he bows before the two of you and he says, I am Tulian Haxus. And I have been assigned to be your guide as we make our way towards the Imperial Palace. Tulian, I will return the bow. What kind of guide? Well, I suppose it depends on what it is you are looking for. I can take you the most direct route, if you wish. We would probably be there within the next hour or so. Definitely before the next meal. 
But if you wish, I can take you a more interesting route. At this man's approach, I suddenly shoot my hand to the necklace uh, which I have been wearing. It's a silver necklace with intricate knotwork to it that has a single green gem at the bottom, and I, I begin to worry with it, and I step slightly back, uh, letting Anwir be ahead of me a, a pace or two, and I, I, I bow deeply, and I am... Um, <clears throat> I, I would... I, I, I would like to t take a more um, in indirect route. Um, I, I sh should I say anywhere? I will place a hand on your shoulder, and I'd like to do an insight check on this man. Will you say his name again for me, DM? Tulian Haxus. Uh, that's a twenty-five on insight. Twenty-five. He is doing an extremely good job of hiding how insulted he feels by being given this duty. Very little of it shows on his face. His uh, smile appears genuine. His eyes betray very little of his scorn. Doesn't seem to be directed at the two of you per se. Just that he feels that this perhaps is beneath him. Tulian, I imagine you probably have many other things you would prefer to be doing at this time. <laughs> so I would ask you, where would you take a friend in a town such as this? Make a persuasion check. I can do that probably not very effectively. Yeah, that's a three! A three. He catches his breath a little bit, um, and uh, absolutely not. I have been given my orders, and I am more than pleased to be carrying them out. Well, where would one normally go after a long sea voyage? I suppose it depends on what your particular vices are. I think we would like to see what makes this city special. Ah. Well, look around you, friends. The larger bluff is generally referred to as the roof. The smaller one where we are now is the shelf. There are numerous paths we could take to the Imperial City, the Imperial Palace, that is. Most of the more refined things to see will be there. But the shelf can have its charm. I think the shelf would be more reflective of what this true this city is truly about. May we explore there first? Yes, I, I was thinking the same. I, I, w I would like to get an idea of what the uh, what, what, what the common folk do here. I I, I've never been. Well, and as he begins to speak, he starts to walk, looking back towards you occasionally. The people here, I imagine, are very similar to the people you would find in other parts of Kryn. Mostly sailors here on the docks. And indeed, the sea plays a very important role in nearly every aspect of life here in Gwynedd. 
even the winds and, well, the Denalt. And as he speaks, he motions and a gust of wind comes through and swirls around the entire port. And as it does, it moves the waterfall of the Denalt to the side and sprays the water in all directions so that it falls down upon the numerous bridges that hang between the two bluffs and also then into the lower city, the shelf. And as you move into it, you do feel that it's it, the every surface in this area has a wet look and a glisten to it and there's a wet smell, occasionally a hint of mildew. It reminds you very much of being on a ship, actually. The constant spray of salt water. In this case, it is fresh water. The wind blowing Denault and scattering its droplets over the lower city on a semi-regular basis. Looking around, you can see that there are a variety of races here. That is to say, there are a variety of types of humans. Most of them are extremely dark-skinned, but then there are some that are more tan than dark, and a few that are uh, fair, such as yourselves. Mostly human. You see one dwarf trundling a cart down a street full of shellfish. But everywhere you look, you see dark-skinned people with very elaborate tattoos and whorls on their faces. And the, uh, the banners and flags flapping in the breeze above almost every building that you can see. Tulian, these tattoos, these facial markings, what do they signify for the people here? Ah, this is indeed your first time in Ergoth. This is a tradition going back many centuries. The Ergothian people have come to understand the value of knowing one's place and performing one's task and not straying too far from it. We have these tasks, these aspects of our life represented by designs on our face, such as mine. And he points to his face and you can see he has quite a few different intricate interlocking sigils on his face. This denotes that I'm a soldier this denotes that my family is of somewhat adjacent noble blood, and this denotes that I am married. So changing one station in a city such as this would be rather challenging. It is not our way. I see. Perhaps it is uh, my ignorance, but I, I would think something like this would be very helpful. You, you could tell someone just just by a look, and and honestly, it, it it doesn't sound that much different than home, other than, uh, of course, they show it. Indeed, it is a very efficient and a prized custom. There is only one family in all of Gwynedd that does not have markings on their face. That would be the Imperial family. Merkiador Reddick and his children and his wife. May the gods grant them a long reign. Indeed. As we are walking, I will fall back just a bit with Lhasa, and I will put an arm around his shoulder and say, Do not fear, my friend. This is not something to have anxiety over. This is an opportunity. If you can channel your nerves into excitement... Let this be a fun discovery for you. 
I will protect you if there is danger. Enjoy this moment. With that, you will feel as I am trembling at your touch. But that slowly ceases and instead is replaced with a very firm uh, feel in the spine of just uprightness and, and, and I begin to look about much more openly and uh, is, is that what was was that a dwarf I I've never yes yes Lassa it is a dwarf <laughs> where do you think he's going to take us I I mean, look, look at these people. There's so many of them. They, they, they walk around like like it's all right to, to, to just be around with everybody. You would never see this. Okay, uh, perhaps that's a bit too much excitement. Somewhere somewhere in the middle, Lhasa. You're right, of course. I, I forgot myself. <laughs> um, just keep doing those deep breaths we talked about. Right. Right. Turian, you're married. Tell, tell me of your wife. Um, well, uh, she's, uh, I'm happy to say, of noble blood and very, very fine stature and, um, she is a, a good wife for me. The, uh, and he points over to uh, a few places and uh, you can see there is a, um, a shrine of sorts and it is painted blue and coming up out of this rounded stone pillar that has been painted blue, the top of which has a bird-like motif. And as you're walking by, people are reaching out and touching it and closing their eyes and murmuring soft prayers as they step by. So I am sure you are already familiar with the Blue Phoenix having been aboard a ship. Of course. I have not, but I say that uh, <laughs> without, without trying right, to... Make, it, make a deception oh, check. Oh. Uh, this is me wishing I had put more into my charisma. Ah, uh, a fourteen. Fourteen. He nods and uh, she keeps walking. He says, "The return of the gods. It is an amazing thing." Of course, here in Gwynedd, we never stopped worshiping the sea gods Habukek and Zeboim. But of course, here they are known as the Blue Phoenix and Ran. But much of what was done in the past had the more a feeling of tradition. Now there appears to be actual purpose in our worship, which is strange and wonderful and, well, different at any rate. As we are passing this, I, I take this moment where Anwir is speaking with our guide to slip away briefly to this uh, statue and I place my hand upon it and while grasping my necklace I, I close my eyes and lean my head forward almost touching the edge of the statue and I whisper thank you Zeboim for such a kind journey 
You have offered us your wrath, but in so doing, you have brought us great gifts. I ask that you keep us safe for the rest of our travels. Um, as you are saying this, you open your eyes and you see an old woman with her swirls and tattoos nearly completely engulfed with wrinkles um, and in a uh, very dark and wind face. She looks up at you and says, This is not a shrine to Zeboim, fool. This is the Blue Phoenix, Habukuk. Habukuk's shrines are on land for those who wish the safe return of their loved ones. Zeboim shrines are on the sea. Every boat that sets sail from Ergoth. My hand shoots to my mouth and I... I... Um... Forgive me, uh, venerable one. I... (laughs) (laughs) What an interesting morning. She hobbles away. And... I, I begin to <laughs> dart my head from side to side, looking for the people I have just been walking with. Um, now, greatly concerned. <laughs> Make a perception check. Oh, this will be fun. I have an eight. <laughs> an eight. So you turn to look around and see a sea of people moving backwards and forwards across the street. The sound of boots on and wheels on cobblestones and uh, the cries of vendors and smell of fish swims in front of you and you have no idea where Anweer and Tulian have gone. A look of utter shock uh, comes across my face as I okay, alright um, just breathe okay um, well we were heading towards the the roof, so... Wait. Wait, he said we were going to walk around the shelf. Oh. Um, and, and I begin to head in the direction I think we were heading previously. <laughs> and where you may now come to realize that you have briefly lost sight of lost. Would I not have, with my passive perceptions, seen him slip away? Let's do a retroactive stealth check. Did you did you definitely try to slip away unseen, Lassa? I, I don't know that it would have been intentional, but uh, certainly he would be trying to make himself small to all the other people, so it very well may have happened accidentally. Right, well then make a stealth check. We'll see how effective <laughs> you were at this. Um, that, that's going to be a 19. <laughs> oh no! Well then... My passive perception is a 22. Oh. <laughs> oh, goodness. So you look behind you and your eyes furrow for a moment as you realize that Lhasa is not immediately in sight. But after but a moment, you see him looking quite small and alone amidst the sea of people standing, worrying with his gem, looking around quite lost. I will take a moment to observe the interaction that he has with the old woman, if I did see it in time. 
and I will allow him to take in the scope and spectrum of the city for a moment, and before his panic gets too great, I will quietly come up behind him and place a hand on his shoulder and say, and this is why we stay with the guide. Oh, 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 thank the gods. I, whew, um. You're all right. No, you're, you're, you're right. I, I should have said something. I just, I. <laughs> it's a lot for you. I understand. And it's okay. I have a feeling that Tulian doesn't wish to be tasked with showing us the city at this time. Perhaps it would be best if we go to the palace and then explore the city on our own later. You're probably right. I, I, I wouldn't want to bring any burden to him, I say as I <laughs> cast my eyes down and look somewhat defeated in that moment. I will just place a comforting hand. I will keep my hand on your shoulder and gently move you in the direction of where Tulian is. You see Tulian, he is, has his hand on the bridle of a horse that does not look well. It is taking very labored breaths and there's foam around its mouth and there's a little bit of uh, roomy tears coming down its eyes as he pets the horse and is speaking with another soldier that is standing near it, quietly talking to each other. As he sees you approach, he turns over and says, Ah, shall we continue? Please. That, um, that animal, it looks very unwell. Ah, you are quite right. Um, it is an unfortunate springtime occurrence. The snows, the Sentinel Mountains far to the east when they melt, they bring with them many things in the Denault that are bad for those of us who drink the water. Um, there are countermeasures that we can take for the people, but the livestock, they must drink so much of the water, there is very little we can do. At this time of year, nearly every animal over a certain size gets sick, but it passes. Is, is there really nothing we, we can do for it? I... Uh, well, if you have uh, training in this sort of thing, uh, there are people at the Imperial Palace who perhaps you could uh, consult with, but it has been happening for many decades. It is uh, something we have learned to live with. Yes, I, I, I suppose you would have to. It's just terrible to see. It is more of an annoyance as opposed to a real threat. We keep a supply of horses that are not uh, supplied with water from the Denault in case of attack. And though they be sick, the animals are still capable of doing basic work. It is uh, merely unpleasant. Watch your step. I would want to take a moment to uh, see if there was a, a bucket nearby, some vessel that I could put water in. Uh, you look down, you see a, a wooden bucket with uh, simple iron bands. Make sure that it's empty first, turn it out, and take my water skin and fill it up and place it in front of this horse. There. There. Horse brings its head down and buries it in the bucket and is able to get a few slurps from the water that you put in the bucket and looks at you. You might regret having used your fresh water in such a way. 
As I said, there are countermeasures, but they are very bitter. You you mean to say that there's there's not fresh water available at the moment at all? Oh, it's fresh. It's just... Well, especially if you're not used to it, it can cause a great deal of inconvenient discomfort. Oh, I didn't realize. Thank you, Tulian. You have been more than generous with your time. I think it might be best if we hurry to the palace. If you insist. And he begins to lead you further up the streets. There's a little bit of a switchback as he leads you to the area where more of the bridges cross over the port and where it narrows a bit. And he gestures at them and he says, we call this the rigs. Uh, it is a fun place to climb when you are young, but as you get older, I recommend against it. We have two options. We have the, he points up to a covered bridge, the high promenade and the undersluice. High Promenade has a bit of a fee, which I am happy to pay. Uh, the Andersluss can be a bit more entertaining, but you will also more than likely get very wet. When in Gwynedd, let's take the Andersluss. Right, he leads you to a long covered bridge. It has a arch made of mason stone and arches over the port below and the, the Nalt waterfall falling about 50 feet to your right as you cross over. Above you, there is yet another bridge, but this one is open, and as you look up, you could see that there is traffic moving on it. There's a large, almost a barge-like cart or crate that is being pushed along, and as it does, it overflows water on either side of the bridge that splashes down upon the understuce, which is covered, but not very well. And so water does indeed rain down upon you as these different barges and carts and um, crates move back and forth along the bridge atop of you, which you would assume to be the sluice, as this is the understuce bridge. Passing by this amazingly beautiful scene, I start looking up at the waterfall this look of pure amazement fire in my eyes just this passion and, and then suddenly I come to the realization that I'm looking up which I've been told not to do so immediately hunch back down pull the robe even tighter and just oh uh, this, this truly is a wondrous city you have I, <laughs> I, I don't know that I've seen anything like this I'm pleased to hear it. And as you walk, there's another big gust of wind that comes through and around the ravine, catches the Denault River and splashes it across the bluff down upon the shelf below you. Just as the sluice moves over, there's a large mass of water and droplets that splash over you as you make your way across and up to the roof. Heading in that direction, you can see at the very top the Imperial Palace. It is a structure made of several different sized cones, which have many pillars around the outside of them and domes over top. There is a bit of a purplish orange hue to them as they seem to be made of some exotic stone that you perhaps have never encountered before. 
To its west, there is a large circular structure that butts against. The circular structure uh, leans almost all the way out above the bluff that heads down. It sort of looks like almost that it is beginning to pour over the side, but you can see it is just an illusion of where you happen to be and where the sun is. The Imperial Palace abuts right up next to it. And then slightly beyond it is another structure, this one more cube-like, except the very top tapers up with a large pyramid-like structure and then a long tapered spire that sticks up into the air about 50 feet. As you are walking, Tulian points at the Imperial Palace. That is the Imperial Palace and the Imperial Arcade. Over there is the Teatro Spire. He points at the spire going up. One of the finest opera houses in all of Kryn, if not the finest. And that, of course, is the Furos Orcus, uh, the Fury Coil. It is where there are a great many games and demonstrations of martial skill. Games. Yes, games. When I speak of games, I'm not speaking of the sort of games that are played with a ball or a stick or a rope, sort of thing that children do. Here, games are grown men trying to wound each other with lance, with sword, sometimes on horseback and sometimes not. At this comment, you see me flinch a little bit, and I look like I'm about to say something but I close my mouth. Um, do, do they often make it out of such games well? Or, or, or you said they try to injure each other. How far does it go? <laughs> Sometimes very far indeed. Those are very exciting days. And, and this is common entertainment for the people here? Yes. Gwynedd, we celebrate all forms of beauty, those that are of a more artistic nature, and also those that are a martial quality. And uh, what other things do people spend their times on? I, I, I understand the opera, I understand the games, but, but surely it must be more, more than just that. Well, of course, there are those industries that support the uh, arts and the combat. And of course, and he points down, and you can now see a large number of fishing vessels and warships. The Imperial Navy. Yes, there are splendid vessels there. But come, we should get you to your quarters to freshen up so that you can be presented to His Imperial Highness. May the gods grant him a long and prosperous reign. May the gods grant him a long and prosperous reign. Yes, a long and prosperous reign. Farron, the bed is as comfortable as it was yesterday. Far too large for you, of course. The sash has been opened in the one large window in this room. You have a stunning view of the Furo Circus, and then below it, the Syrian Sea stretching out to the horizon. Unfortunately, the sun reflects off of the various structures that are outside in such a way that a good portion of light enters your room far earlier in the morning than you would like. 
As before, there is food on the trestle near the uh, the door. Lintharis has arrived, as she has every day for the past several weeks, with your breakfast, leaving it quietly and letting the scent of it awaken you. I open my eyes slowly as the food enters my nostrils and I smile. Oh, that's what I like. And stepping down off the tall bed, straighten my undergarments and head over to the food and take a sample and pour myself a nice hot cup of tea. So there is scrambled eggs. There's a very salty fish, which you've come to enjoy. And a pale orange melon that is far too sweet for your taste. Although, when combined with the salty fish, it is surprisingly delicious. And you sit down with your hot cup of coffee, take a deep breath, and get ready to eat when the door to the wardrobe slowly opens and you see once again you are not alone Teely, would you describe yourself please I am a just about three foot kenda with long brown almost auburn hair tied up in a classic top knot with almost like a veil draped down very brightly colored clothes, a beautiful vest covered in all sorts of jewels and beautiful little trinkets that she's kind of fashioned into earrings or necklaces. My face completely colorful, just as the dress, makeup, all sorts of things, jewels, little gems and things stuck on, a really long flowing skirt that has all sorts of layers. And as I move, the layers reveal underneath lots of pockets and pouches with trinkets and jars and any kind of thing you could think of just kind of like clanking together. What does she see, Fern? Oh, she sees a half-awake dwarf who's literally standing over the food. I'm extremely tall for a dwarf, around five foot, which is very very uncommon I have shaved hair or shaved head both sides with a Mohican tied back into a ponytail a brusly beard at the moment but you've seen him in a better light when he's a bit more groomed and I have a beautiful beard with three braids as long as his belly tipped with golden beads Atop my head, one side is a tribal ch- tattoo of some kind. Hmm. Morning, Farron. As I stretch my arms out, stepping out of the closet. Uh, obviously not the last time, is it? I know I said last time would be the last time, but you gotta know I'm so close to finding it now. I will be out of your hair. You won't see me again. It's the last time. I promise you. I wonder where I've heard that one before. Well, help yourself, lass. There's plenty food for both of us. I approach and 
quickly plop myself on the floor. You hear as all of the things in her pockets just clank against the wooden floorboards, crossing her legs, kind of clasping her hands, hands together, reaching forward and just starts begin stuffing her face with the food as if racing so she can get as much as she can before Farron eats any of it. Before I forget, girl, I seem to have misplaced something. My spice pouch. I don't suppose you picked it up by chance, did you? Hmm. I wipe some of the food away from my cheek, hand on my chin as if I'm thinking deeply. Hmm. You know, I did actually come across a pouch and I, I, I picked it up. It's really cool. It's filled with spices, just like you said. Makes everything taste great. You should try it. You know what? You can borrow mine. <laughs> and I will hand over Farron's spice pouch. Thank you. I'll take it back and put it back exactly where it was hidden before. But then I realize, no, not there. And I'll turn away from her and hide it somewhere else. You should be really careful where you leave your things. Yes. <sighs> anyway, you're going to get me thrown into dungeons. You know that. No, I won't because of my genius disguise and I'm very sneaky, so I will be fine. Plus, I have a really good dwarf impression so I can pass away pretty good. You sound nothing like a bloody dwarf. <laughs> I don't think you can hear yourself very well. You're just lucky there's not many of us here. Uh, that's true. I quickly stand up from the table, put my hand to my chest to try and steep the indigestion that's settling from cramming so much food in my mouth. And I begin putting on what seems almost like a fat suit, just really thick puffed kind of material that makes me look a lot more heavy set. I'm very slim and this will make it seem more dwarven-like, even attaching little platform wedges to the bottom of her feet to make her taller, even applying some makeup to my face to make myself look a little bit older and a little bit more uh, grizzled to appear more like a dwarf. As you're in the middle of applying this costume, there is a soft knock at the door. Master Ferrin? Oh yes, one moment. I'm getting dressed. I just to uh, Tilly to get back in the cupboard. Stumbling, nearly falling over, I quickly crab myself into the cupboard and kind of hold it shut, just gripping on the inner parts of the door, just trying to hold it closed. There's another knock at the door. Oh, oh come in, dear. The door opens and in steps Linthara. She's uh, wearing a very simple in style, but of a very good quality cloth pala that wraps around her shoulders and then around her waist and then in the way that you've seen nearly all of the women here in the royal palace very tight around the knees to the point that it's very difficult for her to take more than a few inch long step she's wearing flat shoes and she has in her hands a bundle of linens she comes in and sets them to the side of the door and she says I have good news for you sir I think that this afternoon the Emperor will be able to hear your petition. He has cleared his schedule for something important and I am I'm certain that it is 
finally time for you to, to have your your meeting with him. Well, that's fantastic. I, I don't know for sure, well, of course. But we can we can hold our we can cross our fingers. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I I don't know for sure that that is what is happening, but I I do know that the the schedule has been cleared uh, with no prior notice. So, I I think uh, perhaps um, your many messages to his advisors have been heard. But, uh, we will need to make sure that there is uh, you have something proper to wear. So it reads to walk over towards the wardrobe. Oh no no no! My clothes are not in there. No no. Your clothes are not in the wardrobe. Oh. Um. I'll just wear this. I'm clearly standing in my uh, my bedgown. Well, I, I do not mean to contradict you, sir, but that would be very inappropriate. Perhaps uh, a nice toga or, or something more indicative of your native land? It's very true, yes. I don't mean these. I don't mean my gown. Uh, she turns again towards the wardrobe. They're dirty. Let me get them for you, and I'll drop them outside my 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 door. How about that? Oh, you wish to have them washed before you meet with the emperor? Well, that's a great idea. Yes, yes, that is very wise. Um, make a deception check, Farron. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> uh, straight two on a dice. All right. Okay. She nods and turns and sort of looks at you and looks at the wardrobe and back at you and begins to walk very softly and slowly out of the room. It's around this time, Tilly, the melon. You forgot about the melon. They gave you a bit of problems last time and you had only eaten a small amount of it, but this time you crammed a great deal of it into your throat and you feel your stomach begin to twist. Oh boy, okay, here we go. Make a constitution saving throw. A uh, 15. Describe to me what you think and what you do in order to quell this grumbly tummy of yours. <laughs> in the tight confines of the closet, Pash, like just pushing down on the padded fat suit on her belly to try and muffle the sound and in my head just closing my eyes just thinking any, just any minute now it'll be fine just a minute away it'll be okay it'll be fine she'll leave and I'll be okay I can then go to the toilet and I'll be fine you have this conversation with your stomach your stomach sort of makes a kind of a questioning sound just a minute I'll be fine don't worry it'll be okay Farron's getting rid of her. Shut up! Stop it. With a roll of a 15 save, you have succeeded in convincing your stomach not to flip. And Linthara moves out of the room, opens the door, looks back to you, Farron, and bows and says, Well, I will be waiting for you. Thank you, my dear. Yes, thank you. She closes the door, and you are now alone in your chamber. I walk over to the cupboard door, and I open it sharply. You're going to get me thrown in prison, girl. Like I said, 
it's fine. This is the last time. Where is your toilet? I really need to go. Over there. But more so, girl. Don't... Don't get yourself in danger. And you notice maybe some slight care about you getting caught. There is a garderobe around the corner from where the uh, the main chamber is. Over there, my girl. I run over and immediately try and relieve myself. But even on the toilet, I'm still putting on that fat suit. I'm still <laughs> doing my makeup. I'm still trying to get ready just in case that woman comes back in. Farron, you've suddenly been put off your food. Ridiculous. <laughs> I still stuffed my face. <laughs> right. So after a few moments, uh, indeed, you have completed your costume. What do you look like now? Sorry, just how old is Farron? He's <laughs> uh, probably about 30 in human years. Okay. I look like about a 30-year-old dwarf, about the same age as Farron. A little bit taller than previously as the, the wedges on her on her shoes. Hair still up in a top knot, but kind of hidden behind this weird hat that she's fashioned, almost knitted to wear, that wraps her hair up and just covers it all. A much larger version of herself and older, and a little bit taller too. Thus disguised, what do you do? I head over, <laughs> reach underneath Farron's bed and pull out my hoopak and my lyre, stand upright. Thank you again, Farron, for looking out for me and everything. I really do appreciate it. And you know what? As a thank you, you can keep my spice pouch. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, thank you, my dear. Please be careful. I will. I haven't been caught yet. And as I said, trusty disguise, I will be just fine. I will uh, maybe write to you if I find Uncle Trap Springer's thing. Sure. Okay, great. Um, good to see you again, Farron. And, uh... Mm. Have a good day. And you. And you really shouldn't wear your bed robes to the meeting. It's not a good look. No, I don't think I will. Yeah, get... Yeah, get, get changed. It's not... Yeah. Get, do that. I sure are out of the door. <laughs> I, I leave. <laughs> You open the door, and standing outside is Linthara, speaking quietly and demurely to a guard. The door opens, and they both turn to look at you, and Linthara says, oh, Master Ferran, you're... Who are you? Oh. The guard stops quiet mid-sentence and turns and looks at you, Tilly. I'm Farron's lover. <laughs> We met here secretly. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Linthara's skin begins to burn with a red that you could actually see through the darkness of her complexion. Make a deception check, Teely. That is an 18. Uh, well, this is good. This is very good. It is always more appropriate to meet the Emperor with one's consort. Secret 
relationship. I, we don't want anyone to know or find out, so it's best we just keep this amongst ourselves, yeah? The guard nods and then, I'm very sorry, ma'am. They're a restricted area. I, uh, how did you manage to get here? Do you have... I, 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 nobody spoke to me. I'm sure it's just a misunderstanding, but uh, could I have your name, please? It's, yeah, it's just a misunderstanding. Um, I can't even really remember how I got in. I had quite a bit to drink, so you see. Um, I um, would prefer not to give my name because, like I said, it's a secret and I don't want anything getting out, you know. You understand, and I, I attempt to leave. <laughs> I attempt to take, like, a shop right and just head away. You see that there are other guards in this hall, more than there have been in the past. Linthara comes to the door and looks in to see you, Farron. It says, Master Farron, is this woman your lover? I, I'm so sorry. It is. I could get in a very great amount of trouble if this becomes known that I, I was not aware of a guest. Oh, I'm really sorry, my dear. Uh, it does get very lonely uh, while, while waiting, you know. Uh, it won't happen again. I, I, I sincerely apologise. She will never come here again. If, if I, if I could, perhaps. It does not even have to be. It does not even have to be her real name. If you could give me a name. I don't know her name. Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? Oh, dear. Teal, you've continued to move along. You gave a very good deception check with your 18, and you have the full scrutiny of the guards as you move away, but as you look, you see that they're kind of looking at each other with knowing looks and snickering. You are able to make your way out of this particular part of the palace and onto the winding stair that leads to other parts of this area. Perfect. Once I'm out of their kind of watchful eye, I will begin continuing searching for the item that I'm looking for. Farron, while she is doing this, you have now an opportunity to refresh yourself and get ready for your meeting with the uh, Emperor, apparently. You have not officially been called, but if Linthara is correct, it is only a matter of time. Okay, sounds good. I will do that. Okay, so uh, you begin to prepare yourself and then sit. And wait. And wait. Waiting for that knock, waiting for that summons, it does not come just as it has not come the day previous to this, nor the day before that, the day before that, or any of the days during the weeks that you've been here. Since announcing yourself and being given this, albeit very luxurious and comfortable room, you've had no official interaction with anyone but clerks and go-betweens. I would imagine your patience is probably running thin. I just turn and start to strip off my armor, place my weapon down upon the floor, which is a, a huge warhammer, probably the size of a maul, two-handed weapon. 
And I just rest it against the wall and it hits the floor with a nod, uh, with a thud. A sigh and start to strip off and ponder why or if I should just stay here another day, continue to be given the runaround. And I kneel down beside my bed and I start to pray to Shinari. What do you say in your prayer, Farin? I start with a sigh. Oh, silver mistress, please hear me. Hear my words. I've tried to be patient with these people. But I... I will continue to seek a meeting with this emperor. Maybe it's a bit too early for them to realise that the gods have returned. Maybe they haven't seen any proof yet. Who knows? But how long? How long do you wish me to wait? I will leave it there. Make a religion check. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Seven plus one, eight. So as you kneel there, your brow furrowed in concentration, you feel your stomach... Oh, no, not that melon. Tilly, you've searched a great amount of the Imperial Palace up to this point, but it is a large area. So you take your bearings, managing to move in and around various parts of the palace fairly well. You've learned some routines of servants and guards. Your best bet is to not be seen close, just to be seen moving along passages at a distance. You've gotten rather adept at it up to this point, but it's now time to move past the safe areas to search and perhaps start moving towards more restricted areas. I'd like you to first make an investigation check to see whether or not you can determine where one of those might be. Investigation, that will be 13. You have a pretty good idea of where you've been, which means you've got a good idea of where you haven't been. So you begin heading in that direction. It is far more guarded than some of the places you have been. And as you come around a corner, you see two guards standing with far more alertness. They have the typical scale mail, but instead of it being just the male with a little light trimming. This is male with a large, very ornate tabard that has the symbol of what you assume to be the royal family on it, which is three unfurled sails in blue on the yellow tabard as it moves over their body. They have long spears and helmets. They are at attention. And as you step around the corner, all they have to do is turn their head and they will see you at a far more close distance than any of the other guards in the area have been. So I will need you to make a stealth check to avoid attracting their attention. Uh, that's an 11. <laughs> As you come around the corner, a small bell falls out of one of your packs and ding, 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 moves along the floor and rolls up to the foot of one of the guards who looks down at it and looks over at you and then immediately takes an aggressive stance Declare yourself. 
Oh, I, I'm so sorry, my dear. That must have fallen out of the palm of my hand. I'm looking for the exit. Do you think you could help me? I said declare yourself. Who are you? What is your business here? Um, I am a dwarven woman. I was here to visit Farron. <laughs> I am a perfectly normal dwarven woman. I am a dwarven woman. Don't question it. I'm a woman of dwarven nature. <laughs> Make a deception check. Oh no, that's a three on the dice. So that is, uh, <laughs> that is uh, seven. He looks at you, looks at his companion and looks back at you and yells, Intruder! And begins charging towards you with a great clash of armor as the two of them move to intercept you. <laughs> I knowing that I'm kind of weighed down by this disguise, immediately begin trying to rip it off me to attempt to run away from them. Go ahead and make an acrobatics check to see how well you're able to quickly just jump out of this costume. That'll be a 10. A 10? So you jump out and as you do, the voluminous fat suit collapses upon you like a souffle and instead of jumping out you roll around on the floor a little bit and then come to a sudden stop you look up and you see that the guard who has spoken to you has taken his spear and has stuck it through the fat of the suit and has pinned you and it to the ground you have one chance to avoid being skewered um and, and how would I do that Get out of there. I'm trying. Are you someone's child? He begins to push aside the costume, slowly revealing the brightly colored dress, the numerous pouches and jars, and the unmistakable features of a kinder. His eyes widen. Gods above. A kinder in the Imperial Palace. Call the captain. Oh, you don't have to do that. Just stay where you are. He is holding the spear right at your throat. I lay there trying to reach for my hoopak, which had been flailed away in my running. Just my <laughs> arms stretched out, tapping against the floor, reaching out for it, trying not to move. Make a sleight of hand check, trying not to move, you say. Okay, here we go. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I rolling bad now? I was rolling well earlier. You reach, you find out, and you, you, your hand goes around something that is roughly hoopak sized. You think it could be your hoopak? I grab it. I pull it towards me. It's a carrot. The guard leaps back and then reasserts himself with the spear right in front of you. And as he does, you hear the crash of many booted feet coming towards you as what looks to be an entire phalanx of guards comes running around the corner. It's a kinder, sir! A kinder in the Imperial Palace! Oh, God, so buff. This is terrible. As more and more guards approach, this has created quite a, uh, a hullabaloo, as it were. There are guards converging upon you on every direction. And you find yourself surrounded without hope. With a weird smile, I gesture the carrot to the captain. Uh, carrot? 
he looks down at you with a very severe glower. I do not know how this happened, but I will find out. And you, Kender, you will spend this day in chains, and tomorrow we will subject you to the fate that we subject all Kender to in Gwynedd. Now, now hold on a minute. I raise both my hands. Um, you don't have to do that. I can just, I will just grab my things and I will leave and I won't come back. I just, you know, it was a misunderstanding. I can explain it all to you. You'll laugh. We'll all laugh. It'll be very funny. We'll all be like, how did this happen? And, you know, we could be chums. And she kind of gestures the fist at him, like knocking it against his arm. Like, (laughs) we could be friends, you know? Make a persuasion check, or unless you are trying to do something um, sneaky. Uh, that is a 18 on persuasion. An 18. He looks down at you, and his expression softens, and he says, I've heard many similar statements from your kind. Personally, I think that the practices of the past are barbaric. It is simply a night in jail the haircut, and tomorrow we will let you on your way. See, that's the thing. I'm fine with the jail time. It won't be my first. It's okay. Uh, the haircut, I would like to avoid, um, and if we can sort that out, that would be great. You know, that would be nice. Uh, you wouldn't want a haircut, would you? You wouldn't, you wouldn't like that. It's not fun, is it? No one, no one wants that. I'm sorry, Kender. It is out of my hands. And the guards come around you and begin to put your arms in a very small set of kinder-sized manacles and also your ankles. You know, they're not going to be happy knowing that a kender got onto the palace on your watch. No, they are not. But I am duty and honor bound to tell them. Or... We could all let this slide, and I can go without the haircut, and you cannot get in trouble. I think that sounds great. He looks at you at his brow furrows, and he leans down. And you can see now that he is very impressively dressed. Uh, it is armor, but it is far more decorated than his companions. But even decorated, there is a decidedly martial quality to it. Is a very serious expression and a gold scarf that is loose around his neck and then hangs down over his left shoulder. He leans forward and he says, I am Praetor Exios Nitros, and I do not shirk my responsibility. But I don't expect you to understand that. Take her away. You know, sir, you can dress a poop up to look as fancy as you like, but underneath it's still a poop. Okay? Remember that. Braider the traitor. I'll remember you. I will remember I'll remember that. you. In my nightmares. Where you belong. Because you're ugly, gross, and mean. As you are being led away, letting forth this tirade of insults. Sort of just being dragged with your feet together in chains, your arms behind you as 
You have far more guards with you than you would normally think a Kender would warrant. They take Kender sightings here very seriously, apparently. You are led away. I look up to the guards. But guys, come on, this is kind of embarrassing. You really think I could take all of you on? No Kender in Gwynedd. No Kender in Gwynedd. No Kender in Gwynedd. That's funny, because there is one here. They are grim and very about their duty. They will probably be punished for this gross dereliction of (laughs) duty in allowing you to make your way all the way into the Imperial Palace. Farron, there is a knock on your door. And it is Linthara again. Master Farron, there is going to be a meeting amongst ambassadors this afternoon. But, um, I am afraid it is... Well, it is, uh, I think it is an elven ambassador. Oh. oh. Well, they gotta trade. Vegetables. Um, I, I, I'm sure I don't know. I... Um, I will wash your clothes. I am sorry. Um, uh, I will see you tomorrow. Uh, what time tomorrow? Just so I know. Uh, the same time as usual, sir. No, no, the meeting. Oh, no, the meeting. Uh, I think it is this afternoon. It is, uh, oh, okay. it is very soon. Well, I'd best get my armour back on then. Uh, well, I... I don't think that you were invited, sir. Oh. (laughs) Fine. But of course, I could be mistaken. And she bows and then steps out. So it's so she mentioned obviously it was just the elf. So this afternoon, I'm I'm going to equip up and go for a walk outside. So you step out as you do. There is a guard who is assigned to this floor. He sees you and nods, and you are able to go on your way. You are not restricted to this space. No. I can imagine that I've probably gone on long walks before. Yes, the uh, the area of the palace Durian is not far from the Imperial Arcade. Very pleasant place to walk with topiary bushes, and it's close to the fascinating statuary, much of it pre-cataclysm. As you are walking, you see two gentlemen who you have not before encountered. One of them wearing robes, and the other one appears to be human, but stands out in that his skin is not dark in the way the rest of the Argothians are. Um, Is this outside the palace, or...? So within the palace, Lhasa and Anwir, you see walking around a dwarf. What do you look like now wearing your armor, Farron? I look mighty indeed. I'm wearing splint mail. My boots are uh, a fur and very comfortable. I have a green, luxurious cloak flowing down. And strapped on my back, you can see a huge warhammer. So you have come to a stop in a hall. There are people about. You can hear movement and conversations. You are not completely alone, but 
happenstance privacy as the three of you come to a stop and regard one another. Hmm. Good day. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, good, good day to you, sir. Uh, I say as I take a very deep bow. You seem to be hiding your features there, boy. Oh, uh, I, I, I don't mean any rudeness. Um, just a, a matter of habit, really. Well, well met. I'm Farin. How long are you going to be here for? Months like I have. I, I, I'm not sure. They, they, they said we'd be seen re- relatively soon. I, I, I'm Lassa. I'm, I'm sorry. Well met, uh, Farin. Yes, well met. And the, uh, perhaps I shouldn't introduce you, but I don't say anything. I just give a small, very courteous nod to you. Oh, good day to you too. Uh, got a name? You may call me Onweir, if you must. Okay, uh, if I must. What brings you here, then? Um, just a, a, a matter of business. You, you, you said you've been here for, for some months. What has brought you here? Oh, it feels like months. It's more like weeks. I'm here to, uh... Well, to start trade between Urgoth and Forbardin. Oh, that, that sounds like a wonderful cause. I... Aye, sounds like it. I still haven't been seen. Oh, yes, that's right. Well, maybe, maybe it's just an oversight and they'll, they'll see you shortly. I, I can't imagine they, they wouldn't pay respect to, to you. Well, no, they're seeing some Ponzi elf now. No offense. <clears throat> None to be taken. I have you been outside? I'm assuming you have. Yes, it's a marvelous city, isn't it? I mean, truly, the the spectacle of it, and so many people moving about, and uh, I look to Anwir. Uh, he's a bit fresh behind the ears, isn't he? He has a bit to learn. Uh, he seems like he's got his heart in the right place. You should try visiting Fort Barney, boy. That's a city. Oh, uh, I, I, I would love to accept it if, if that's an invitation, but I'll have to... Well, I guess you'll have to finish your business as well, won't you? I'll probably be dead before then. Die of old age. No, no, you, you, you look in, in very good health, sir. I, I, I doubt it very much. <laughs> oh dear uh, you look like you're one of those wizard types oh um no no i'm i'm nothing so grand i i i'm i'm actually here to observe uh, and what about you Anwir? what about me well what brings you here Public relations. You're not the diplomat, then, are you? <laughs> In a manner. Oh, dear. If you're not that speakative, I'll, uh, I'll be on my way, then. Well, um... I, I, I don't know that you have a great deal of things to take care of, but um, if you have a few moments, I... I, I must admit, I... Never really spoken to to a dwarf before. <laughs> really? 
Well, ask away. Um, where where do I begin? Uh, I I've heard stories about your people from time to time, and and I I, I guess I, I wonder if if this place isn't so grand as Thorpe Arden, what 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 about it is so grand, so special? You've heard of the city under the mountain, haven't you, boy? Well, well, stories, yes. Well, I highly recommend... Well, if you do get there one day, a little bit less wet behind the ears, you should visit the Life Tree. It's beautiful. I would imagine so. Vasa, as you open your mouth to continue this conversation, there is a slight fuzzing of your vision, and you hear a voice echo in your head. Apprentice, we await you in the Grand Hall. Sh- I- <laughs> Suddenly, I shoot up very straight. and um, <clears throat> Forgive me, uh, Sir? Farron? Um, Farron. Just Farron. Yes, uh, forgive me, Farron. Uh, urgent matters have arisen, and uh, I must go. Uh, I bow very deeply and, and say, uh, and we're, uh, we we must leave. I'm sorry. Well, good day to you both. Um, try the mango. Oh, no, try the melon. <laughs> it's lovely. Uh, I hate to ask the direction to the main chambers. I barely made uh, Follow me. Uh, yes. And you begin to lead them to the Great Hall, a place where you are very familiar where it is, as you made sure that within the first few days, just in case the call came to have your audience with the Emperor, you would know exactly where to go, but no one has ever come to find you, but you know exactly where it is. You lead them there. We return to uh, Tilly briefly. Tilly, as you were being escorted out of the finer areas of the palace and on your way towards whatever fate awaits you, you can't help but notice you've taken on a rather circuitous route to avoid being seen by anyone other than other guards. Just as you are about to lead the palace, there is the sound of running footsteps and a human boy runs up. He looks to be about 14 or so wearing golden tunic and a similar kilt-like breeches to the rest of the guards. He has very gangly legs and a curly mop of very dark hair comes running towards you. What is your passive perception, Dealey? Fourteen. Fourteen. Well, it's very obvious to you that there's something completely different about this boy. He is one of the first Ergothians you've ever seen that does not have any tattoos on his face. He's running up and he has in his hand your liar. Halt! The soldiers all immediately stop and turn and stand at attention, their right hands on their chest. And there's a sort of a as they all make this formal salute. You're jostled a bit in the arms of the two that are holding you. And he steps forward and peers in between the arms and uh, legs of the guards and looks down at you. Are you Kender? 
I guess the jig's up. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that my liar? It appears that it would be my liar. It's in my hand. That is the way of your people, is it not? Yeah, I mean, as long as the person's done using it. I'm surprised you know about that. Uh, do you know any kinder? Are there more here? You are the first kinder I've ever spoken to. They are illegal in town. Tomorrow they will cut off your hair and send you on your way. And if you ever return with short hair, you will be killed. That is the law. I've heard about this law. They can try and cut my hair if they want, but it's not going well for anyone, I tell you that. He looks down at the liar and looks at you. Can you play this? Uh, yes. I, I don't carry it around just for decoration. But, um, I mean, I could show you if you'd like, if they would uncuff me. I pull against the cuffs and they make like that jingle jangle sound as they pull against my wrists. He looks at the guards and then looks back at you. Make a persuasion check. Oh no, that's a nine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, your loss. A kinder musician. Huh. Interesting. On your way. And he walks away, still holding your lyre. Um... Question. Um, why don't you have any of those, like, tattooed things? I thought they were kind of a thing around here. Ah, well, I wouldn't expect you to know. I am Jarvan Makadar the Sixth. The Emperor is my father. And he turns and leaves and the guards begin to march you away. There are six of you? <laughs> nice. Farron, you and Lhasa and Anwir arrive at the grand doors to the palace throne room. There are two very impressive guards standing in front of them, and then six others standing across from them. As we draw up on this main hall, I sweep back the hood, unleashing long, well-braided red hair and a practiced face of stern calmness plastered over the otherwise very nervous uh, complexion of this elf, or half-elf, I should say. I can sense the traces of your anxiety, and I will catch you out of the corner of your eye and give you a very slight, comforting nod. A very slight dip of the chin is the only response as I continue to stare dead ahead. I address uh, the closest of these guards. I am Lhasa, and I have been asked to make my appearance before the court. They nod at each other, and one of them reaches over and opens the door, revealing a wide throne room with marble floors, intersecting geometric patterns of purple and orange, 
marble with striations of silver and gold moving through all of them. Several rounded columns that make a colonnade down the center of the room. And at the end of it, a large dais upon which is two large chairs in which impressive people are sitting. You can see your master standing in front of and slightly to the side of the colonnade looking at your arrival. With a practiced calmness and dedicated movement, I move across the floor, sweeping by gently, barely leaving a sound or a trace of the footsteps behind me. The man sitting in the chair that is directly across from the door is a tall, middle-aged man, very dark skin, a beard. His hair is um, in very tight braids, pulled back to a ponytail. He is wearing a elaborate and very heavily brocaded red toga over bare chest. He's very well-muscled and fit for his age. And he looks past you, Lhasa, at Anwir and Farron, and then leans over and speaks to a man in a red cloak who has a close-cropped dark beard. Does not appear to be Argothian. They have a whispered exchange, and the man in the red robe leans over and speaks to somebody else who then runs out of view. And as you both watch Lhasa walk down the colonnade, there is a soft cough. <clears throat> and you see a man wearing similar clothes and style, but not nearly as elaborate as who you assume to be the emperor. At the end of the hall, this man close to the door is very thin, looks almost sickly. But nevertheless, he is wearing this voluminous toga that uh, looks like it's almost too much for him. And he looks at Anwir and Farron and nods and says, Would you please be so kind as to enter? The Emperor wishes to speak to you both. Well, what about me? Uh, you as well, Master Farron. Oh, well, I wasn't summoned. I will wordlessly walk forward at this request. Farron? Yes, I follow. All right, you enter the throne room and the door closes behind you. Tealy, you are roughly and rudely dragged down a long series of stone steps, making many switchbacks to an area that you can only assume is a dungeon. It has a dungeon feel to it. Doesn't smell good. The light is dark and grim. You hear coughing, you hear moaning, and there's just a general feeling of sadness and you don't have the impression that there's very much singing or playing that happens in this area. You are thrown into a cell with very tight bars. They're only two inches apart going around and they are very thick. But you can see out of it 
but unfortunately, the guards around you can also see into it. And you have two that are watching you very intently. The chains around your hands are removed, but those around your feet remain. Nearby, in a cell, you can see two individuals. One of them appears to be an Argothian male. The other one is perhaps a dwarf. You're not sure. Manto, would you be so kind as to describe what Tealy sees? Obviously, I am a little rougher looking than normal, though my time in the gladiator pits, I always have like levels of, of grime on myself, but being in this prison has made it even worse. You see what appears to be a young Ergothian male, tattoos on the face, though they don't seem to be of sigils, almost seem more tribal-like, not necessarily representing a crest or anything like that. And his hair is is tightly woven into twists going back in order to keep it out of his face. You see very worn leather, but if you look at it closely, you can tell that this leather has been very well made. It's rough looking, but it is absolutely, ver- the stitching is immaculate and been some almost embroidery, it looks like, going on with the stitching of this that, that I'm wearing. I'm assuming my weapons have been taken away from me, so. <laughs> they have indeed, yes. I do not have my weapons, but you can also see that there are gashes and scars on, on my bed. Some look old, some look new. There's definitely some crusted blood that still looks rather fresh, probably from earlier today. You can tell that I am definitely Ergothian. I am most certainly not of a noble class, but I am not one who lives in squalor. Very well built. I do something involving combat, you would think. There is this look of just furiousness on my face. And you see that I'm constantly looking over to this this dwarf next to me and checking on her and making sure she's okay, which is rather odd because you would not normally think that a human, let alone a Nergothian, would be concerned about the welfare of a gully dwarf. Speaking of gully dwarfs, Blip, what does Tealy see? I am nervously shifting back and forth leaning from one foot to the other. I keep taking my hands, rubbing them up and down my grime and filth-covered arms as I run my hands through my shockingly disgusting mess of short, dark brown hair. I pull my hand away, and you can see a little bit of grime and oily, slick stick to it as I pull it back. And I nervously look around and hold on to Manto, and I reach into my pocket and pull out a very small, gray-looking poppet. And if anyone were to take a closer look at it, it is surprisingly curly and chest hair reminiscent. Oh my god. (laughs) And I pet my little poppet in nervous anxiety. (laughs) I'll adjust my, uh, flower sack skirt and just continue to stand there and pet my chest hair poppet. I need that poppet. 
I'm not sorry for this. (laughs) (laughs) It will be in my pocket in no time. Oh, I have a feeling Kendar will find a way to (laughs) obtain said poppet. (laughs) How far away are they from me? 15 feet. And are we in the same cell or are we separate? You're separate cells, but the same sort of area. Okay, cool. There's a hallway of sorts going down the middle of this room and looks like this dungeon has been carved into the actual stone of the bluffs of Gwynedd. And each entrance to the cells, except for yours, yours stands separate, is a square cell with bars on every side of it so everyone can see into it. It's a little large for you, actually, but that is where you're being kept. The uh, Across from you, there are almost cave-like openings in uh, the stone going down this cavern-like hallway and set into these cave-like openings are barred doors and you are able to see into one of these cells and that is what you see. This human, this Argothian human, a young man and a gully dwarf. I stand and grip my tiny hands around the bars just looking over. Hi! Dungeon friends? It's nice to meet you. I'm Teely, if you wanted to know. How well am I able to see her from my vantage point? As you look out, there's not much light. You're able to see reflecting light coming down the hallway. You assume it's daylight from somewhere above, shining on her fingers. You could see her eyes, and you could see her teeth glinting in the light. Oh, well... I see how it goes. Now, the nobles of Gwynedd have taken to imprisoning children. Is that where this country has come? <laughs> I, I'm not a child. Um, I'm a, I'm a kender. I apologize, Madam Kendar. It is very hard to see from where I am, and you just sound so young and vibrant and youthful. A blush comes across my face at the the compliments. Oh, yes, I have heard tales of your people before, and, well, having seen what is done to those who visit, I cannot understand why you would dare step foot in Gwynedd, unless, of course, you have lice or something and needed a quick way to get rid of them. <laughs> no, don't worry, I don't have lice. Um, It would, you know would be really hard to get out. Yes, meaning they're going to take your hair, young one. Or old one. I'm not sure. It's hard to tell. I'm young. And, um, thanks. Um, no, I won't let them take my hair. Don't worry about it. Um, speaking of why I'm here in Gwynedd, um, I figure if I share mine, would you share yours? I feel like we could have, like, a friendship. We can all talk together. We can get each other's names and maybe even sing a few songs. Uh, And I will look over at Blip and be like, well, at least she's not boring. I will grab a hold of Manto's hand and pull him away. No, no. You stay away. We we know no. We we, we don't know her. She She may be bad. This is true, but apparently we are bad too. Uh, 
fair point. It is quite boring down here, so why not? Uh, I'm Manto. This is my companion, Blip. Uh, I mean, I was born and raised in this city. My days are mostly spent fighting those who have something to prove until my sword takes them down and, well, then they are put back in their place. You're a fighter? Uh, well, I mean, it's not as glorious as that, unfortunately. I am not one of the soldiers. I merely fight in the pits that Gwynedd is renowned for. Blip here works at those pits as well. That's how we met, actually. As strong. Blip is very strong, yes. That's so cool. I'm not very strong. Maybe we could arm wrestle at some point. I'm sure we'll both get out of here and we can we can tough it out. I actually wrote a joke about fighters and I've been waiting to meet one so I could tell it. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? You might want to sit down. It's real funny. Uh, we are sitting. Yes. So please continue with your joke. What is a fighter's favorite drink? Guess. You have to guess the joke. You have to guess. Oh, um... It's really funny. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I... Mead? Ale? Punch! Because <laughs> <laughs> fighters, they punch things and they fight. Uh, it's really funny. I, I, I see and what you did there. I feel like there might be a language translation issue going on. Um, for yes, that is very witty. Um... I will laugh about it later. Yeah, I, I can, I can take criticism. It's, <laughs> no, it's you, I'll you have, you it. have lightened uh, the mood in here quite a bit, uh, little one. Thanks. Just as you were saying that, from echoing somewhere down out of sight, you hear a <laughs> as dinner. Somewhere oh, I didn't put her in with is us. Is not pleased with what other situation. <laughs> He finds himself in. I start to just sob and wail loudly, loudly at the sound of this. It's okay, Blip. That's probably our dinner. I wail even louder to the point of near screaming. Miss, Miss Tilly, you, you're, if the stories are true, your kind are very adept at uh, getting in and out of places unknown, uh, unseen and unheard. Is that right? I mean, I guess, I think. The screaming and wailing that you hear, that is not our dinner. I mean, yes, it is dinner, but not our dinner. It is the name of dinner. Blip is very, very unoriginal in her laming process. That is her pet, her pet dinner, but not our dinner, her dinner, but not to eat dinner, to pet dinner. My my dinner. I see. I get it. What do you want? Yes, uh, we suspect dinner is going to become dinner, so we need to save dinner. Uh, yeah, um, okay. Uh, uh, what's your plan? Uh, I'm really good at stabbing things, but I'm not so good from behind the bars. Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. And Blip is very good at um, uh, crafting devices that trip people and um, moral uh-huh. support. Uh-huh. And she's very uh-huh. strong. Uh-huh. Strong. Yes. 
Very strong. I go bonk. But we need to get out. Do you know which guard has the keys? DM, have we in our time down here been able to ascertain who might had said keys? Make a perception check. Oh dear. Okay. Oh, hey, that's a that's a good roll. So that is going to be 21. Oh, 21. Even with the very dim light providing it's negative to that, you are able to look out and you see in the shadows about six feet away from either side of Tilly's cell are sitting two guards on stools watching her and hearing every word you say. <laughs> uh, yes, Miss uh, Kendar, it is the lovely individuals that you see who have been listening to our entire conversation. Hi. Which one of you guys has the keys? <laughs> they barely break eye contact with you, keeping their gaze just focused on the cell. <laughs> um, they're not very talkative. Um, no. I'm thinking that Dinner will be fine. I'm, th- I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it'll be okay, Blip. You, no, no, he, 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 he need me. Need me. <laughs> I'll walk over to the edge of the cell and I'll grab a hold of it and with both hands and start to shake the bars as hard as I can. <laughs> oh, breaking my heart, Blip. Blip, do you think that you're crying because you need dinner? <laughs> What? If you're crying because you need dinner, then maybe dinner's crying because they need you. I completely freeze. They are quite inseparable. So you're both okay. You're just missing each other. Well, there is this small matter of whether or not dinner is going to be served for dinner. And hearing that... I just let out another wail and start banging the cell bars with my head. Oh, oh and uh, I will immediately try and stop her from doing that. And now, <laughs> guards, can you see now what this is doing? Please, can we just not have the pig in the cell with us? I mean, we will look after them. It, it It's one less thing for you to have to worry about, huh? What's this about the pigs I hear? Coming down the step, you see a man holding a lantern. He is Urgothian. He is wearing very elaborate clothes, not the toga that you're used to seeing. This is a different fashion. It has a blue velvet look and a very elaborate cravat. It is a waistcoat with trousers and uh, riding boots. And as he comes down the steps, he has one hand on his hip and is holding the lantern out in front. And you can see the light shining upon a dark-skinned man with a very pencil-thin mustache and slick-back hair as he steps daintily down the steps, gets a little closer to you, and has a start as he stops and looks around and reaches into his pocket and pulls out a silk handkerchief and holds it up to his nose as he steps down the rest of the way. Pigs and warthogs and banging. I suppose that is the sort of thing that one would expect to find in a dungeon. Aha, ha, ha bulb. 
Of course you are, my dear. Do I know who this is? Make a history check. Uh, seven. You would have remembered if you'd ever seen this particular individual before. Mm-hmm. See, steps forward and holds the lantern up to see you and Blip. Mm. My lord, this has all been a misunderstanding. That is all. I'm just merely trying to get my friend's pet back to her. We are only in here because, well, someone is a sore loser. A misunderstanding. I imagine that is something else that many people say in a dungeon. Were you at the fight today? Or in the palace, it's also what happened with me too. Hmm. Then you would know what happened. He looks and gives you a very obvious once-over, looking you up and down, Manto. Brings the uh, silk up to his nose and sniffs it. I may have questions for you in a moment. But first, I wish to speak to the musical Kenda. <laughs> My name is Berenzi Victo. What is your name? Uh, my name is Teely Tumblewood. I extend my hand out to shake his hand through the bars. Ah, it is uh, all right. I have heard a rumor that you uh, are musically inclined. Is that true? That is very true. But Jarvin the something? I think he was like the eighth. I don't know. He took my lyre. Mmm, <laughs> yes. A precocious boy. Would you mind demonstrating? Sing me a song, my dear. Any song you like. Any song? Okay. Um. I. Uh, question. <laughs> is is there a song that I could sing? I am keen to hear what you are able to create on the fly, Tealy. Oh no. Oh dear. Oh. Boy, okay. There once was a kender named Teely. Had a misunderstanding indeed. She doesn't like melons, but Farron's my friend. And, you know, so I need kind of like a written thing. I don't really come up with things on the spot. And my book of like, you know, my book of all my lyrics and things is with my lyre. I keep them together and... You know how it is. Mm, make a performance check, Tilly. <laughs> with advantage because of the excellent RP. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah, it's you know, better than saying, no, I won't do it. Okay, that's 24. Wow. <laughs> yes, you're not so good at the extemporization, but it is a lovely tone. <sighs> I mean, it was either that or a song about a boar I heard a long time ago. <laughs> At the mention of boar, I wail louder. I comfort her. He nods and sniffs his silk handkerchief again and turns back to you. And you, my lad, facing you, Manto. 
A performer of sorts, correct? I am a fighter, but yes, if you are suggesting that what goes on in the fighting pits of Gwynedd is entertainment, then yes, I suppose you could say that I am a performer, though one that often leads to deadly consequences. But not always. No, not always. Sometimes the fans merely want the spectacle in a sport. It is best to sometimes let your opponent escape with a little bit of their ego left intact. Just a little. A spectacle indeed. You don't by any chance happen to know how tall you are. Well, uh, because my parents were both crafters, I actually do. I am five foot eight. Five foot eight. How serendipitous. I've never heard that before about height, but okay. Tilly, my dear. Uh-huh. And Manto. What do the two of you know about opera? Uh, enough. My lord, you are obviously well-to-do. I unfortunately have never had the funds to attend the opera, but I am friends with some of those who work behind the scenes, and I can often hear the sounds trailing out when they are rehearsing, and it is most lovely. <laughs> that is very nice of you to say. Yeah, what he said too. I, I, I'll say that as well. What he said. <laughs> As I said before, my name is Berenzi Victor, and I happen to be the main empresario for the Brandspire. Ah, uh, perf excuse me, here in Ergoth, in, in, in Gwynedd, it is referred to as the Teatro Spire. And I am in a bit of a pickle. My latest masterwork, The Champions of the Lance, a opera commissioned by the royal family to commemorate the deeds done by certain heroic individuals in this past conflict. There is a great deal of illness that has beset our particular band. I do believe they are not reacting well to the water. I have a small man who is set to play the part of... Uh, Tasselhood, and uh, <laughs> what did you know that fate has dropped in my lap a kinder who can sing? Oh yeah, I, I could do that. That would be that would be an honor to play him. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love that. This illness has also taken its toll on the very muscular and active man that I have slated to play the part of Storm Bigblade. And at the mention of Storm, you see my face flash with awe. You are both welcome to make history checks. Ah, that is much better. A 14. You're pretty sure it was Storm Brightblade, but... Uh... I mean, I figured he had changed the name for performative purposes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. An 18 on my end. 
18. And of course, the tales of Tasselhoff are somewhat well known amongst the kender of Hilo. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tilly had the exact same assumption of like, they just changed it for performative uses. Yeah, I was copy copyright purposes. Like, uh, yeah, that's what I was figuring. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I don't expect a fighter to be able to sing, but fortunately this illness has not claimed my performer's voice as of yet. He will be able to sing from off stage, but I do need someone to wear his costume, and you happen to be exactly the right height. My lord, it would be an honor to remotely be able to step into the boots of one of the greatest Knights of Solemnia of all time. Are you familiar with the Solemnic traditions? I have read many, many stories of them. I have never had the pleasure of meeting a knight in person, but it is my dream to one day. That's excellent, excellent. Well then, I will speak to the people that need to be spoken to and see about your release. Um, and he turns to look at you, Tilly. Um, I do have a request, actually. <clears throat> um, Manto has a friend over there called Blip, who has... I was just going to ask. Who has a pig. Um, he, he leans in and looks up. Ah, that would be the source of the smell. If you can get my hair saved and their pig saved, I think we could have a deal. And Blip would make a great stagehand. Make a persuasion check, Mento, with advantage, thanks to Tilly's help. Ah, yes, that is lovely. 17. I would normally not even entertain the idea, but desperate times. She could stay in the stable. She is not to enter the Teatro Spire. Agreed? Agreed. Where is this pig? I think you can hear its screams coming from the end of the hallway. Yes, well, do not fret. You will be released shortly. He turns to you, Tilly. I do hope you understand the extraordinary circumstance that you find yourself in. Do this for me, and you will be able to leave Gwynedd with your hair intact, a fate that I dare say has not befallen a kender in some time. That would be incredible. Thank you so much. I twirl my hair in my hand with a, a somewhat smug expression, looks back to Manto and Blip. I told you I'd keep it. <laughs> This man, Berenzi Victo, moves along the passage, daintily stepping over a puddle which appears to be urine and heads up the stairs. In the throne room, there has been a great deal of boring exchanging of compliments and titles. You are introduced to Emperor Mercadior Redic V, a imposing yet 
not particularly grim-looking man, as he has a wide smile for each and every one of you, and is extremely cordial. He introduces to you his wife, Ostrena Reddick, beautiful woman with extremely soft complexion, long black hair that is in ringlets that goes to the small of her back. She is wearing the traditional pala that you have seen many of the other women wearing, except hers is white and nearly unadorned except for a single large diamond that hangs from her neck. To her right is a young woman, appears to be in her early 20s, who is introduced to you as Vatia Redick, the daughter of Ostrena and Mercadio. And he leans forward and looks at you aside, says, So, I understand you are an apprentice. Are you looking forward to your test at the... He stops and makes a slight turn towards the red-robed man with the close-cropped black beard. What was it called, Thalbus? The Tower of High Sorcery, my lord. Ah, yes. The Tower of High Sorcery. I imagine it is something you both anticipate and dread, is it not? Well, my lord, I would say that you are quite observant. It brings me a great deal of eagerness and concern to know that I will go forward to bring honor to my people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you have a companion. I have heard a great deal about this human, <clears throat> this stranger to our land that you have befriended. Your master is very complimentary of him. Yes, your lordship. My name is Anwir, my lord. A pleasure to be in your company. Very fine manners. It is not often that we have people of your station here in the Imperial Palace. The honor is ours. I would like to, over the course of time, be observing both the Emperor and his wife and his daughter's behavior and make an insight check once I've had time to study them. All right, make an insight check. I was hoping I could do it at advantage if I delayed it, but I will <laughs> roll... 25. So as this conversation goes on, based on little things that are said, such as what the emperor just said, honored to have someone of your station at the Imperial Palace, and the looks that you are receiving from the emperor's wife and the daughter, you begin to get the impression that you may have been presented by someone somewhere as something that you are not. I will refrain from bringing that realization to light in my face. Based on what it is that the Emperor is saying, can I guess with my insight check what I might have been attempted to be passed off as? You know, you're not really sure what. It's not really mentioned again without a direct question or a, a direct moving on to the topic, it doesn't seem to be addressed again in the course of this particular conversation. 
Unless you wish to turn it back towards that. Oh, no, not even a little bit. No. <laughs> okay, well, in that, in that case, you will just have to be aware that for the time being, you have a cover that seems to be well and truly in place. Understood. But the insight I meant is in terms of demeanor, in terms of authenticity, is it a performance that they're putting on or are they genuine in their presentation? The emperor is supremely confident in his power and in his right to rule. The women are nearly invisible. They have very practiced and honed almost ritualistic responses to things he says, where they look in the room, how they hold their hands, how they sit upon their seats, and they do not deviate from that. I will keep an eye on them to see if I can catch flickers of their actual feelings beneath their cool exterior. I will address that later, perhaps. The Emperor then turns to you, Farron. And Master Farron, our visitor from Thorbaden, I must apologize for the delay. I have been extremely busy with matters of state. But now that our delegation from the Elven lands has arrived, we would all be able to have conversations that I think will be beneficial to Everyone, a mutual exchange of ideas for the future of all of our peoples. But the main reason why I have brought you forward is that I wish to invite you all to join me and my family. Tonight, there is the opening performance of a new work at the Teatro Spire, an opera which I have commissioned called the Champions of the Lance. I uh, may have made one or two modest contributions to the music myself. And I wanted you all to join me for a night where I am able to show you what Gwynedd and Ergoth have to offer, if you will do me the honor. The honor is unquestionably ours, my lord. Excellent. It is decided, then. The performance will begin at sundown. Uh, traditionally, there is a light meal ahead of the performance and then a large one afterwards. Excellent, your lordship. We thank you kindly for all of the generosity and hospitality you offer us. And it will be a great honor to hear music penned by the hand of such a great and majestic lord as yourself. <laughs> Indeed. He turns towards your master. Aranathis, your apprentice's manners are almost as good as yours. Aranathis bows and turns to you and gives a small smile. And so you leave the Imperial throne room Returning to your quarters, Lhasa, you are stationed across the hall from your master, who stops at the door and turns to you and says, And your impressions of Gwynedd? It is a strange place. There are so many people. 
and so many of them move about in a way that I, I can scarcely understand. But the fact that their traditions uh, require them to mark themselves, I, I think will be of a great deal of aid to me as I try to understand them and their workings. The city itself is beautiful, although it seems that many of the people hold secrets in their hearts. That is not uncommon, where there are more people, there tend to be more secrets. Yes, of course it is as you say. I just wasn't quite prepared, I must admit. Anything that troubled you in particular? I've seen many humans. I've seen a couple of dwarves. But uh, it would seem we are the only elves. Or perhaps I should say, you are the only elves. And that surprises you? I had thought perhaps, but I suppose it was a foolish hope. There will be others of our kind in other parts of Kryn. But here in Urgoth, I will be very surprised to see any of our people. I have made arrangements for your friend to stay here in the Imperial Palace. I have told the Emperor that he is one of the scribes for Astinus. Is a job that requires a great deal of observation and not much interaction. I think it is perfect. Therefore, he can stay close and answer your questions about humankind while I attend to my duties on behalf of Qualinari. Yes, of course. And I thank you for taking the time to do so. He has aided me already in this journey. I became separated. I know. <laughs> yes, of course you do. Have you ever been to an opera, Arthur? No, I was never given the opportunity. I anticipate an exciting evening. Yes, I, I, I would imagine so. I, I've heard stories of how beautiful the music can be. And, yes. And to, to have it be penned by the Emperor, I, I can only imagine. Mm. And he turns to his quarters, opens the door, and glides in, shutting it softly behind him. Farron, you return to your quarters. Yes. Linthara is there. She bows and uh, says... Um, a kender was apprehended earlier today. She was wearing a rather elaborate costume, and there were a great deal of questions that I had difficulty answering. I am not complaining, of course. I am merely passing along information. These questions, I think, will probably come back to you. I am sorry. I was unable to avoid telling them certain things. My dear, I'm so sorry. 
I, it is the, my fault. I should, I should have been more observant. I, I cannot believe that Kendra, all things. I hope that I will see you tomorrow, sir. She uh, slinks out of the room, unless you have something you wish to say. No, I, uh, I let her walk. Ashamed of myself, really, for lying to her. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for making Echoes of Crin a part of your day. If you want to support this and other great actual play content, head over to www.ko-fi.com slash lawfulstupidrpg. We also present weekly live streams on Twitch. Head to www.twitch.tv slash lawfulstupidrpg to check out new and past episodes. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, as Sularus Othbithas. Farewell. This has been a Lawful Stupid RPG production.